0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another video edition of the Justin Harvey Show. It's an honor and a privilege to have a Facebook friend of mine, Master Goldie Mack, on the show. Thank you, sir. It's an
1: honor to be here.
0: Glad to have you. Um, So tell us, how did you get into the martial arts?
1: Well, to make the long story short, I'm a, a Texas boy, born and bred. And uh, I grew up on a working ranch in Temple, Texas. Mm-hmm. But at the age of eight years old, my dad decided to move up to uh, the Chicago area to yeah. work in the steel mills and bring in more money. Well, here I am, a black kid, and we're talking about the early 50s. Yes, Okay. rough here, times. Uh, rough time. Here's a black kid that's up on the south side of Chicago, wearing cowboy boots, wranglers, western shirt, and a cowboy hat. Now, the kids back then they were all yeah. They would look at me and they go, what do you think you are, Black Roy Rogers? Well, sing us a song. You know, so I was getting into confrontations all the time and getting in fights all the all my time. Yeah. And uh, a cousin of mine, a, a gentleman by the name of Sam Landrum, he heard about my situation. So he came over to the house one day. And he was also the uh, Illinois state champion yeah. of Shotokan Karate. And he started teaching me the martial Arts. And from that point on, everything changed Wow, really? Yes. So, so you just uh, you really just
0: stuck with it? Was there a point where you just uh, kind of took a break from it? No,
1: I've been doing it now for uh, 51 years and nonstop.
0: Wow, have you uh, have you competed in tournaments and stuff? Yes,
1: at uh, one time I retired from active competition in 1980. Mm-hmm. Um, but during that during that time, uh, I was ranked number five in the world. And uh, when I was, I was also in the military and when I uh, was stationed in Germany, I fought over in Europe and I was the uh, undefeated lightweight champion in Europe for two years.
0: Wow! So,
1: you know, um, I, the way I look at it, this is not a pastime for me. This is, you know, this is not an extracurricular activity for me. This is a lifestyle. This is something that I breathe, eat and sleep every day.
0: That, that's the same way I feel with my with my podcast. I may not be fighting and, and doing karate chops or arm bars uh-huh. or anything like that, but I live and breathe martial arts in this podcast and it's just it's taken off and it's an honor to have you on live video
1: here today. It's my honor to be here. Thank you for asking me.
0: So how many years have you been coming to this event?
1: Uh, this is my first one here in, in, in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the president of the USA Martial Arts Hall of Fame. I'm also the president of the Alliance. I,
0: I think I'm in the group,
1: sir. The yes. Alliance group. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so, um, the year that they, see, for 36 years, we're the oldest Hall of Fame in the United States. And uh, for 36 years, we had the um, Hall of Fame event in California. Yeah. But uh, one of the things I talked to uh, Dr. Jim Thomas, who is the CEO of the Alliance and of the Hall of Fame, is that we need to make a change. And the reason for that is because a lot of people, when they're being honored, they can't bring their wines because it gets too expensive to fly everybody, the family and the yes. students, to California. Okay. So I came up with the idea that if we broke the country down into seven different regions, mm-hmm. and then we pick a state and the states that butt up against that state, that's where we will hold the Hall of Fame. And so Texas happened to be a region seven, a region five, rather. So all the states that butt up against it, Mm -hmm. they can come to that one, they come to the one here in the Indiana that we hold, they come to the one in Atlanta for all the states that butt up against Georgia. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, we hold it in New Jersey for all the eastern state that butts up against that. And we hold the one in California for uh, all the states that butt up against California and Nevada yeah. and so forth and so on. Uh, which it makes it easier and less expensive because now people can drive instead of worrying about expensive uh, flights.
0: Yeah, that's that's exactly what what uh, what I did. Me um, and my buddy drove up here just just for this. And actually, they actually, which they don't normally do this, but they told me a couple months in advance that I was being inducted because it's hard for me as a disabled individual just to get up and go and, mm-hmm. and get everything ready. It, it's it's a whole process. Exactly. And, exactly. And when I got the call, I was like, "You're kidding me!" And they're like, "No, it, it went through." And I'm like.
1: Holy cow! Well, see, we, 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 when we, uh, when Master uh, Trias uh, first formulated the, the Hall of Fame, the whole precepts behind the Hall of Fame is that we've got people who have dedicated their, their mind, heart, and soul to the art in many capacities, yeah. and they don't get the recognition that they deserve. Okay? and when, when we. You know, they may not be the Chuck Norrises, they may not be the Bill Wallaces, they may not be the Ellis Presidents or the other famous people that always get the recognition. So we said to ourselves, how can we honor these people that fly under the radar, but they're doing just as much for the martial arts and for their community as these other individuals are? So that's the whole premise behind the, the Hall of Fame. So, like with you, we know that you've given your heart and soul to what you do. And it benefits the martial arts as a whole. Yeah. Uh, and then there are other art, uh, other instructors that, all they do is they teach and they're influencing these young minds. Yeah. And these young minds are going to be our new presidents, our new governors and senators, new teachers. And, and these people, if we don't change the way they look at themselves and the way, and honor them and yeah. let them know that you are worthy, you are worth something, because everybody's on this planet to fulfill a a reason, exactly. Nobody, you know, people always say that uh, God doesn't create any junk, and that's true. So everybody has a purpose. The thing you have to do is you have to find out what that purpose is.
0: I, I think my purpose, sir, is to be a great broadcaster for the martial arts, but not only that, but be, be an inspiration for others that have my disability. Exactly. That say that say I can't do that
1: because I've got
0: this disability. I've got that. You just have to find a way around to make the perfect perfect ingredient.
1: And you and see the thing about you is you give that inspiration to those others because they look at you and they say, Well, if he can do it, mm-hmm. I can do it. And you know and and it's like pass it forward. Yeah. You know and 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 when you do that 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 makes because every human being on this planet has greatness in them they just got to find out what it is and find out a way to manifest it so that the rest of the world sees that greatness yeah
0: yeah now if you could change one thing in the martial arts industry what would it be for example mine would be like the politics that's in the martial arts and what i mean by that is um there are certain circles and martial artists that are, you know, they bicker with each other. and I They complain, agree. and you know, and in my mind, it's martial arts. We're supposed to come together as unity, as one. And here we are, you know, complaining about whose style is better, and and, and it's just it's it's like politics. It
1: really and is. and you know, the the thing about that that words mean the most is. Anytime you have politics wrapped up in something, nothing gets done. Our government already proved that. Oh, yes. Okay. You know, when they shut down things and so forth and so on because of bickering over nothing. Now, what we look at is is the fact that we are a family. And it doesn't matter what style you are or or, or whatever. The fact of the matter is everybody has this punch. Everyone has that block. That block, the upper block, the downward block. Everybody does a front kick, side kick, roundhouse kick, back kick. Nobody does anything different, unless you happen to be from another planet and you got four legs and four arms. Yeah. Other than that, everybody's doing the same identical thing. The only thing that is different yeah. between one and the other is the philosophy that governs how you utilize it. Yeah. And I can learn something from another person as well as they, they can learn from me. And, we're here to share. Yes. And and until we we learn that we're here to share, the bickering is gonna keep on. And this is why we it, when we in our Hall of Fame, we bring in people in an alliance that are like minded. We look at ourselves as a family. Now, in any family, is there bickering sometimes? Yes. Oh yes, there's oh yes. disagreements, but But we still love limits. each other. Yes. You know, and, and the thing about it is, if you mess with somebody in my family, you mess with me. You
0: mess, you mess with one, you mess with us all. Oh,
1: exactly, and that's the yes. way we look at it. And so, therefore, in our organization, we don't have politics and the and yeah. backstabbing. Because we know that we may disagree on certain things, yeah. but that disagreement doesn't define us as a family. It just makes us stronger.
0: Exactly, like this wheelchair here. Does not define me. Exactly. It's more to me than
1: this. Than this than a chair. wheelchair, exactly. It
0: just helps me get around. It. Yeah.
1: That's it. The wheelchair is, is just tool. an extension. Yeah, it's, it's a tool, tool like a hammer or a screwdriver. Yes. And and that and that's where you got to look at everything in life. Yeah. You know we we've got everybody has tools that they can use. Now the question is, do you want to take those tools to become a master carpenter, or do you want to now, that you walk in front of the oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, or do you want to take those tools and just let them sit there and gather dust and rust? Yes. And complain about here's here's a good example that I always give. Mm-hmm. It's like a person that sits in front of a wood burning stove and says to the stove, "Give me heat." Yeah. Well, the stove is not going to give you heat until you put in the fuel and light the fuel, and then it will give you heat. So you've got to do something in order to get something. Yes. You just can't sit in front of that stove and say, give me heat, and then I'll put in the wood. You've got to give to get. Exactly. And that's, that's the way life is, no matter what, what, whether you are working in a corporate setting, whether you are an educator, whether you're a martial arts instructor, whether you're a police officer, it doesn't matter what you do. You've got to give in order to get. We were given the rules of a perfect life. Yeah. We were told, Seek, and ye shall find. Yeah. It did not say, Look. It said, Seek. And when you seek, you're hunting. Yes. It said, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. It did not say, Complain, gripe, bitch. It said, Bow. Ask. Yeah. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And it says, Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. It did not say, Kick it. It didn't say, Bang on it. It says, Knock. Mm-hmm. But here is... The the trick to that, when you ask, you ask until you get what you want. Children do it better than anybody I know. When my children growing up, they'll say, "Dad, can I go to the park?" No, you can't go to the park right now. Two minutes later, "Dad, can I go to the park?" No, you can't go to the park. Didn't I just tell you that? Three minutes later, "Dad, can I go to the park?" They'll keep asking until finally, just get. Okay, you can go to the park. Yeah, they know how until they get what they want. And common courtesy goes a long a way. way with people. Exactly. Exactly. And and see, if we don't understand how to approach and apply those laws that, that are universal to everybody, yes, you know, you're going to always fail. And talking about failure, failure is okay. Everybody makes this big thing about don't fail, don't fail, don't fail. But, What the truth is is when you fail you succeed you succeed all failure does is to show you another way to do something Because when I was on a tournament circuit and I was competing Mm -hmm. You know somebody would say you know you lost that match. I said no I didn't They said yes you did he got the trophy. I said no I didn't lose because I learned something So that the next time I meet him It's gonna be a different story the yeah. only person that really loses is the person that never learns from the experience.
0: Exactly. It's like I've had several bad recordings, you know, starting out, but I'm like, okay, this works better than this. Exactly,
1: exactly.
0: And it's just, it's come together real smoothly.
1: See, once you learn from the uh, from the shortfalls and the failure, what you've got to learn how to do is pick yourself up and do it again, and again, and again. And eventually, you're going to hit a system where everything just moves smoothly Mm -hmm. and but most people give up
0: because that's the easiest thing to do
1: exactly it's easier to give up than to to pick yourself up and and keep moving forward
0: because as humans we have that lazy trait to say okay i'm just going to give up for today and just push it to the side
1: there's a gentleman that uh that gives motivational speeches called les brown he says something that I, that has stuck with me for a long time. He says, you know, life is always going to throw you in these curves. Yes. And life is always going to knock you down. But if you're going to get knocked down, always strive to fall on your back. Because if you can look up, you can get up. And that is so true. Because I tell people, when I'm working with my kids, I say, okay, lay on your stomach. I say, now try to get up. And they have to put a whole lot of effort to get up. Then I said, okay, now roll them on your back. Now get up, and they get up real smoothly. It's easier to get up when you're on your back than it is when you're on your stomach. So when you fall, when life throws you that curveball, and you get knocked down, always attempt to fall down on your back, because if you can look up, you can get up, because that's where your inspiration and your power derives from, from up there, not down here.
0: Exactly, and if and if you fail, try again because that, you might find a different way exactly. to do the to do the goal that
1: you want to do. It's just it's finding the way. And, and Mother Nature teaches us that, but we don't pay attention. You get a river, mm-hmm. and it's running, and then all of a sudden there's a boulder blocking the river. The water don't just say, "Oh God, the boulder blocking my way, so I can't go anywhere." And what it does, the river will find a way around that boulder. It will either go around it. It will go over it, or it will go under it. But it's going to find a way. And we humans have got to learn to do the same thing. And when life throws that boulder in your way, you have to figure out a way to get around it, over it, or under it. And put yourself out there. Don't be afraid to. Exactly. I, I, I have a little saying on my wall at the school. It says, to fail is only human, and it's good for the soul. But to dwell on past failures, clouds one's mind from the successes that you've already achieved.
0: And where is your school located?
1: It's in Dallas.
0: Dallas, Texas?
1: Dallas, Texas. We have a school in Dallas, Texas. We have a school in Lake Dallas. And um, most of my classes are, are taught in outreach programs uh, where we teach We teach mainly out of American Legion halls around the area. And the main reason that I did this is that in 1994, I changed my, the, the direction of my school from being a profit-making entity to a nonprofit. We became a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Oh, that's so great! Because I wanted to reach those kids that normally fall through the cracks. Yes. You know, and these kids are quote unquote, and these adults are quote unquote, the forgotten ones. Yes. And I don't want to forget them, and I don't want them to feel like they're left out.
0: Yes, sir. Have you had any disabled? Um,
1: Yes, I've got I've got, uh, a, a, I've got a student that is a, a double amputee. I've got a student or legs. I've got another student that's an amputee with one arm. I've got a student that is uh, hearing impaired. I've got a student that is sight impaired. And uh, I do have one student that's in a, in a wheelchair. And um, all I do with them is I take what they have. And you adapt, and I adapted. I'm. Yeah. I look at myself like a tailor. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go to a tailor to get fitted for a suit, he measures you and he gets all the dimensions right. That, that right fit. That, so that right fits so up for, for, for that you. Event. Yeah. Not off the rack, but for you. And and that's what I do with all my students. When I when I have a student that happens to be confined to a wheelchair, I adapt the techniques for him or her to use the techniques. If I got a student that is sight impaired. Then I use uh, what uh, things that he has, because I use the uh, the clock principle. Yes. Yeah. Now, with a, a sightless person, they know that if I say, "Okay, your your peas are at six o'clock," they know it's at the bottom of the plate. Your meat is at twelve o'clock. They know it's at the top of the plate. Your potatoes are at nine o'clock or three o'clock. So when they're eating, they know where everything is. And then I do the same thing when I am instructing them in yeah. the art. I say, okay, your attack is coming from this time, mm-hmm. and then they learn how to maneuver to that yes. time, and so yes. forth and so on. And it's the same thing when I'm dealing with the hearing impaired or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, a person that's in a chair is unique, and the reason I say that is unique that any attacker that comes at you has to bend down because you're at a high, at a lower level than he is.
0: And they may be able to use the chair as a weapon. As a
1: weapon, and because of that. When you do that, that brings that person's center of gravity off balance, so that you can manipulate them. Yes.
0: That, that's amazing, and I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, MMA and um, martial arts because, in, in in my aspect, I'm more old tradition. You know, people say that MMA is you know um, uh, martial arts, but to me, it's not because. To me, it's uh, mixed martial arts, and what really gets me mad about MMA, like UFC, these guys just get in the ring to uh, to beat up people, and that's, that's not what martial, true martial arts is about.
1: I, I agree with you. I, I, in the old days, I, I used to train students, I grew up in a time where we had uh, uh, full contact. Yeah. But it was traditional techniques then used. Yes. Okay. When MMA came along, what I discovered was a lot of the people that went into the MMA were uh, people who failed as Golden glove boxers. They learned a few wrestling techniques and they get in the ring, or they were failed wrestlers. They learned a few boxing techniques and they get in the ring. And to me, what sense does it make to put people in an octagon ring? Because the first thought that comes to my head is a cockfight or a pit bull fight. We're not that kind of animal. And the thing about it, they say that MMA is the ultimate fighting art, but I'm saying, how can that be an ultimate fighting art when you still have rules?
0: Yeah, exactly. You know,
1: and and the thing about, since when does using the English language become a crime? Yeah. I mean, you got these MMA fighters sounding like WWF, you know, they cannot put two syllables together. And what in the crap? Does all these tattoos on the body mean they have nothing to do with the martial arts unless you happen to be a yakuza or a tongue. And, and those are all crooks.
0: And what's sad is these people that you know beat up people like that and have a bad attitude. Kids are looking up to these people.
1: And, exactly.
0: And, and that's that's just heartbreaking for me.
1: And and and, and every child, oh, I want to be. And I I tell people I say look. You are being watched even when you don't know you're being watched. Yes. Okay. A kid looks at you and he goes, I want to be just like that person. For whatever reason, they want to be just like that person. And you turn out to be a real idiot. Yeah. And then you have the audacity, and I, I see this in football players, I see this in some of the baseball players, some of the basketball players, and in, definitely in the MMA. Yes. And, and, and they use this, well, I don't want to be a role model. I'm here to fight. It doesn't matter what you want. Mm-hmm. The fact of the matter, you are. There's always some little kid watching what you do. Yes. And they think because you're in front of the camera, <coughs> because you are quote unquote semi-famous or famous, <coughs> they're looking at the fame and that's what they want to be. Yeah. And and what are children? Children are sponges. Okay? And Children will emulate whatever environment that surrounds them. Yes. And if, if you look at a child and you go, that's a bad child, there's no such thing as a bad child. There's bad parenting, yes. There's bad role models, yes. But bad children, never. Because yeah. children are the reflection of the environment that's around them. You take that child out of that environment, and you put them in a good environment, that child changes to fit. Because, again, we're creatures of habit. And when I tell my students all the time, I say, look, if I take a very positive person and surround him with a bunch of negative persons, one of two things are gonna happen. One, he's gonna turn negative in order to fit in. Mm -hmm. Or he's gonna be in such pain from all that negative, he's gotta get away from it. And the reverse is true. You take a negative person and put him around a bunch of positive people, he either will change to fit in and become positive, or he's gonna be in so much pain from all that positive, he's gotta get away from it in order to feel comfortable. And that's the same thing with everything in life. And, and, And until these MMA guys and everybody else understands that, you're influencing people. And it doesn't matter whether you want to or not. You're stuck with it. So, so, what do you think
0: needs to be done for a change to happen to bring back a positive message for the martial arts? Because with me, I was three years old watching movies like Bloodsport and Kickboxer and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and it had a positive message.
1: And and see, and that's that's the thing, that's the crux. Of it. You have to have a positive. Now there are instructors out there that are doing it the right way, but you don't hear about. It. You know, and that's what, and that's why the uh, uh, USA Martial Arts Hall of Fame was founded. It was founded to recognize those that have done it the right way, still do it the right way, and influencing children and other adults in the right format. Now, can we change everybody? No. No. Okay. But here is the here is the crux: is that if I can just save one, I've done my job. Because you look at it, I ask this question sometimes, I say, you ever heard of compounded interest, right? Mm -hmm. You know what that is. You You take a penny, you double it. You take that, and you double it. You take that, and you double it. And in a very short period of time, you're a millionaire. Okay? Well, the same thing holds true with what we do. If I save one child, if I influence one child in the right way, then that child's gonna go and influence either his children or anybody that comes within his sphere of influence. Do you know how long it would take to change the world? How long did it take to create the world? Not very long. Seven days, right? Seven days. Do you know that if I change the way you think and then you go and change two people and then those two people go and change two people, And those two people go and change two people each. And those people go and change two people each. Do you know we can change this whole planet in seven days?
0: Absolutely. That's compounded interest. Absolutely. And I've got a good example for you, too. Um, A friend of mine on Twitter actually told me, he said, I love your podcast. You inspired me to start my own. And I'm like, that's great.
1: And and that's the way. Get the word out, the positive. Because there is so much negative out there. And, and what people don't understand is that for every negative input that goes into your brain, it takes 10 positive to override it. Yeah. So one of the things that I've learned to do for myself personally is this. Every night before I go to bed, I say the serenity prayer. God give me the strength to change the things that I can, accept the things I'm unable to change, and the wisdom to know the difference between the two. And that way, when I go to bed, I have a positive input. A positive output, yes. And then when I wake up in the morning, I repeat the same serenity prayer to start my day off with a positive output. And what most people do is is that they don't understand. There are things that I can change. And those things that I can change, I change them. Those, uh, There are things that I don't have the ability to change for whatever reason, lack of knowledge, a lack of a physical ability or whatever have you, I got to accept that fact. But I have to have the wisdom to know what I can change, and what because I don't have the ability to.
0: Because some things you don't have control over, and exactly. you have to adjust and 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 cope with it. Exactly. You don't have to like it,
1: but you you learn to live with it. Exactly. And and the thing about it is, once you understand that concept, life gets easier for you. It gets easier in all kinds of aspects. But the problem is that's not taught anymore. Yeah, And that has got to be taught. It's not taught in our schools. It's not taught at home. You know, and there are schools out there, martial arts schools out there that are teaching it, and then there are martial arts schools out there that don't teach it. And but those, it's got to be taught. Yeah,
0: and there are schools that just give you a black belt for just oh, showing up or paying. I,
1: I, I agree with you 100%. You know, and that's why in my schools, we don't have testing fees. When you see one of my students wearing a belt, they've earned that belt. They don't get it unless they earn it. In fact, I make earning that belt something that's very, very specific. They, number one, for certain belt levels, they have to maintain a certain grade point average in school. If they fall below that, they cannot test. Secondly, every, every three weeks, they have to take a questionnaire to school, home, and then they got to do a self-evaluation. That helps me find out where their mindset is at the time. And that also tells me what they're doing in school because their teachers are writing these reports on them every three weeks. Yes. yes. And with my students, they know these are rules that are not to be <laughs> broken, changed, or watered down. So when my kids test for their belts, they know they earn earned their
0: belt. Okay, and uh, my, my final question for you, and then I'll wrap things up. And I, I do appreciate your time, but um, like with like with your disabled uh, students, for instance, like I know you do like black belt testing, but do you do, like for them, do you do things differently because they may not be able to do the original black belt test. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you adapt and I, figure I, out that- what they need?
1: Black belt, te- to, black belt testing to me mm-hmm. is is not about what you can do physically. Yes. Black belt testing to me is what you can do here mentally. Up here. Yes. Okay. Because let's face it, I know a lot of black belts that act like children. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of children that act like black belts. <laughs> okay. So it it and when you look at it in that respect, the question is, can you pass on the knowledge? to another person that I have transferred to you. And if you can't, you're a black belt. Because the way I I look at things and I I tell my students, it is my 90-0 or my 100-0 concept. Now let me explain that real quickly. Mm -hmm. If I give you 100% of my knowledge and because of your laziness or whatever have you, you only like 90% 90% of it. Yeah. you don't practice the other 10% for whatever reason, then when you teach someone, how much can you give them?
0: Not the whole
1: thing, you, you only learned. Exactly. And, and then if gonna, they do the yeah. same thing, it's reduced to 80%. And then when they teach, it's reduced to 70, 60, 50, 40, and pretty soon you're down to zero and that's why there are some schools a kid can make a black belt in a year. Because they don't have all the knowledge that would take up the time. And it, 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 it never, oh, it, it drives me crazy when I see a nine-year-old wearing a black belt. That, to me, that's just like me saying to a nine-year-old, here I'm going to give you this nine-millimeter handgun. You've got the maturity to use it the right way. Yes. They do not.
0: It, in in some schools, it's all about the money, and that's exactly, bad.
1: Exactly. It's exactly. It's like give me you know five
0: hundred dollars and here's your black belt.
1: It, and that's what I'm saying. And it's 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 gotten to a point now where it's about money, and not about working with, bringing this kids' self-esteem up. Yes. His self-awareness up or her self-awareness up, and the way they look at themselves. Okay, and. We're, we're everything is about money, and yes. my my thing is, what can a dead notable do for you? Cause that's what's on the doggone money. A picture of a de- person that's dead, that's deceased. Yeah, it doesn't do anything. And and one last thing, when we when we talk about money, mm-hmm. money is a tool, just like a hammer or a screwdriver. Yes. But do you know, if I was to convince you that a white button off your shirt had a monetary value and then you and I got together and convinced everybody else people will be killing each other over white buttons. Oh absolutely. You know so lottery tickets t- t- even exactly. So where where do we get why do we put so much emphasis on the almighty dollar. And, and and even scripture tells you that it, it it is the love of money that is the root of all evil, not money. When you put money above your family, you put money above your integrity, you put money above everything else, Yes. then you've got a problem. But money is just a tool.
0: It, exactly, because like with my radio show, sir, I would never want to be corporate. I would want to do things the right way and run things my way. I wouldn't care, I wouldn't care if I didn't make a dime off of my show because you can be very successful exactly. and well-known and not make a dime.
1: What, and the question comes, what what is success? You know, mm-hmm. To me, a person is successful when they do what they love and enjoy doing it. You are a success. A housewife who keeps her house clean, takes care of her children, she is a success. A ditch digger that takes pride in digging that ditch is a success. A that success. garbage man that takes pride in Picking up the trash and getting it out there and keeping the streets clean is a success. We we equate success with a dollar value. I know I got a lot of friends that are wealthy and they are miserable. And the reason they're miserable, because they don't know if the people who are, are, are attempting to be friends with them are being friends because of their money or their fame or because of themselves. And that's a terrible way to live. I,
0: absolutely, I, I would never, I would never want to live that way and and, you know and I wanted to close with this like when when I first heard got the call about my induction the first thing that popped in my mind was I would like to get into public speaking after my induction Um, because maybe I could inspire someone else to achieve their dreams even if it's not martial arts.
1: Do it. uh, if, If that thought popped into your head That means you have the capability of doing it. And the only person that can stop you from doing it is is me.
0: And I'm not going to let it stop me, sir. So I'll I'll let you do some uh, closing statements for the show. We'll we'll, uh, end this video, sir. And I I appreciate your time, sir.
1: I thank you very much for inviting me. It's been an honor and a pleasure to be on your show. And I wish you all the success and congratulations on your induction into the Hall of Fame. Thank you, sir.
0: Thank you, sir, and if there's any time that you want to do an update on, you know, an audio podcast on the show, you're, you're more than welcome to uh, come
1: back on the show if you would like. I'd be glad to do so, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Thank you.
0: Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky.
1: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.